our scripture reading today ah, is sorry. from Hosea chapter 14. So, I'll forget the same thing. Hosea chapter 14. Now, if you can't find Hosea, it's after Daniel. It's a very small book. And before Joel. With the parable of the sower, some of the seed uh, fell on stony ground, and the birds of the air came and stole it away. And as we come to listen to God's word, so Satan is active. And she would like to steal away what God would want to say to you today. So let's just pray against that. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and that you have a message for each one of us today. And we come against distracting thoughts and things that are going on in our lives that would steal away what you want to say to us today. We come against this in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be focused on you to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hosea, chapter 14. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless finds compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the Jew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like a corn. He will blossom like a vine. And his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O oh, Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a green pine tree. Your faithfulness comes from me. Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble. Amen. 
well when was the last time you consulted uh, Hosea <laughs> might have been a wee while <clears throat> but it's a, a remarkable prophecy that we have and Hosea of course was the prophet of the northern kingdom of Israel remember there were ten tribes in the north and there were two tribes in the south and Hosea like Amos was we were prophets for the northern kingdom and he, he prophesied over 50 years you can see that at the beginning of Hosea if you look at chapter 1 you can just see the reigns of kings that he prophesied under so his reign of his prophecies lasted over 50 years that's a long time indeed and this book of Hosea is quite a remarkable book in the sense that God asks Hosea to do something very strange. He asks him to marry a prostitute. That was quite strange. Now whether the woman was a prostitute uh, to begin with or she became that, the Lord knew that she would become that, I don't really know. But uh, anyway, he married a woman called Gomer. And what was going to happen was that this marriage, this domestic circumstance was going to be a parable or a lesson regarding God's relationship with his own people. Because Gomer was the kind of woman who was unfaithful to Hosea, her husband. And she kept running off and with other men and sometimes into slavery. And Hosea would keep going back and buying her back. Which was a picture really of God's tremendous covenant love for the nation of Israel, for that northern tribe. So it's a quite a, a different sort of beginning to a book of prophecy that we have here in the word of God. The woman kept being unfaithful. And there's a cry that comes from God throughout this book of Hosea. And it can be summed up in one word. And that one word is return. 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 Seven times that word appears in the prophecy of Isaiah. And that's linked of course to the word revival. It's linked to the word repentance as well. And we find that running right through this book. Because there had been corruption even in the priesthood in those days. There had been faithlessness. The people were not holding faith with God. They were running after other idols. They were depending on other countries as well. And so we find that this book of Hosea is a book about returning to God. Tremendous theme, isn't it? And it makes us wonder if this is a powerful testimony or record or prophecy for the nation of today. And when we think of Christians today, we, we think of this terrible dryness that we find in the Christian church and the nation of our own country today. Because that's one of the themes that, that runs through this prophecy of Hosea, the theme of spiritual dryness. And that's the theme that we're going to be looking at this morning, the theme of spiritual dryness. Turn with me to Hosea chapter 6 and verses 1 to 3. And you'll see this word return there. And you'll see that spiritual dryness coming through or at least implied in the scripture. Hosea chapter 6 verses 1 to 3. We find these words. <clears throat> Come let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces but he will heal us. 
He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And so there's this, uh, in the background there, this terribly parched land, this terribly dry life. And so you find at the end that he will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. So here is this the acknowledgement that the people have dried up just like parched lands. But it can be overcome, praise the Lord. It can be overcome. And that's the cry that comes not only from Hosea, but it comes through in the Psalms as well. Psalm 63 and verse 1 says, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Reminds me of that old hymn we used to sing years ago, Jesus is the rock in a weary land. Then there's Psalm 143 and verse 6. I spread out my hands to you, my soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Now even although we've had these very dry summer, this last summer and we've been very dry, it's nothing like the parched land that you have in Africa, maybe Australia too, <coughs> in some places. It's so parched that when the rain comes it just causes floods. And the nation of Israel was so parched that it needed that refreshing of the Lord upon it. The other condition that Hosea, Hosea highlights is in chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Look at those two verses. Hosea 7, 9 and 10. It's the failure to recognize that something is wrong. And it seems it's impossible to go through the motions and not realize that something is happening in our lives that has stolen the vitality of our relationship with the Lord. And so you find in these two verses, 9 and 10 of chapter 7, foreigners sap his strength, but he does not realize it. His hair is sprinkled with grey, but he doesn't notice Israel's arrogance testifies against him but despite all this he does not return to the Lord his God or search for him there's that word return again or searching for God that verse 10 reminds us of the story of Samson doesn't it remember it says about Samson I will go out as before but didn't realize that the Lord had left him He didn't realize that his spiritual strength had been sapped. Then there's a problem of something happening over a longer period of time. Your hair is going grey and you haven't even noticed it. That doesn't usually happen overnight. So this spiritual dryness has not occurred overnight. Like the evidence of grey hairs. The unchecked process has taken a longer period of time. It's a gradual decline. And then God through Isaiah speaks of the nation's pride or or arrogance in those two verses that we looked at. How difficult it is to get through to a proud heart. Now we men can be very proud at times and fail to be humble before the Lord. But this verse is true of each one of us. 
too proud to be humbled before the Lord and search for him, says Hosea in these two verses of 9 and 10 of chapter 7. So the message of this prophecy not only speaks to our nation, but it speaks right into your life and into mine. Let me highlight a few of the conditions or the the things that happen to cause this spiritual dryness in our lives. How do we get into that condition? Well, one is spiritual. One of the conditions is spiritual. And it's caused by unconfessed sin. We've sinned against God, we have disobeyed Him, and that means that we have grieved His Holy Spirit, we've lost that sense of fellowship with Him that we once had. And unconfessed sin will always destroy that vital relationship we ought to have with the Lord. But not only are there spiritual causes of this spiritual dryness, but there's also physical causes. We can be overtired, we can stretch ourselves too much. This can be so true of those engaged in leadership in church life, taking on the responsibility of the church and and those who lead church organizations. And the truth is that what affects us physically has an impact upon us spiritually. When we're not feeling well, when all kinds of things happen in our body, it can affect us spiritually. We're so physically tired and we begin to feel totally exhausted. And our reserves have really dried up. That's a danger for all of us involved in Christian work. There can be a great deal of output with very little input from the Lord. And we feel desperately dry and barren in spirit. I know this because I've been there myself and I've caused others to be so busy that they're exhausted. I remember in my first church I was getting the young folks involved in this, involved in that and all kinds of things in church life. And one of the young girls said to me, Pastor, I I can't do any more. I'm exhausted. That's the kind of thing that can happen in church life. There are physical causes that bring that spiritual dryness into our lives. All that output and very little input. And then there are the mental causes of spiritual dryness. We've been through some debilitating depression. Times that drain us mentally and emotionally. There may be problems in the marriage. There may be problems at home with the children. Hassles at work. Loneliness. Unresolved conflicts. All of these can bring a time of spiritual dryness into our life. And Satan has a habit of of using that as his own particular tool to look inward upon ourselves. And to load us with all kinds of guilt. And if Satan can't get us to look in upon ourselves, he gets us to look at other people in anger and, and frustration with other people. When all the time we should be looking up to the Lord. The one who anoints with oil and has that overflowing cup. That's the kind of thing that happens. These are just a few of the spiritual dryness, the causes of these. But let's look at the cure as we find it here in Hosea, the book of Hosea. We go to chapter 14, that's where we're going to be for the rest of our time. That passage that we're having read to us in chapter 14. But as we think of this chapter 14 of Isaiah, I want you to lay alongside John chapter 7 the words of Jesus. 
Because Jesus said very simply, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. That Jesus is the fount of living water. It's like that John chapter 4 where Jesus meets the woman at the well. And he said, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus speaks about this quenching of our thirst. Dealing with the spiritual dryness in people's lives. He doesn't impose upon us a, a heavy routine of discipline such as you find in other cults and religions. He doesn't require us to make some superhuman effort to pull ourselves together. There are disciplines in the Christian life. But solutions based on human effort can only lead to greater despair. Jesus requires us to come to him with nothing in our hands. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to your cross I cling. And, and Peter said, Lord, to whom else can we go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. When we come to Jesus, he requires an honest recognition of our failures. We mustn't gloss over them and gloss over our weaknesses or shrug off the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he touches our conscience and as he tells us all is not well. But let him deal with us in a deep and transforming way. And it's only as we're honest about our true condition before the Lord can there really be that genuine repentance. Getting back then to Hosea chapter 14, look at verse 2. Notice how God speaks to Hosea regarding the cure. In verse 2, Hosea says, take words with you and return to the Lord. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Do you need help? The prophet is asking. Has it been so long since you really got before the Lord in prayer? I want to coach you. I want to give you words to take in the place of prayer. Or have you come to the Lord with words that have not been really the honest reflection of your failures in your life? I want you to take these words with you right into the throne of the Lord. And what are these words? You'll see it there in verse 2. Forgive all our sins. Receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Look again at verse 3. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again see our gods to what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I love that wee bit. In you the fatherless find compassion. Nothing vague or, or woolly here about God's instruction through his prophet. I'm going to give you words to come before the Lord. Maybe it's so long since you spoke to the Lord. Maybe it's so long you've been honest with the Lord. I'll give you words. I'll give you words. Forgive our sins. Receive us graciously. May we offer the fruit of our lips. That fellowship with God is there that we can enjoy when we come before the Lord of us and reaffirm our love to him and open our life to him and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. What a welcome we'll receive. Look at verse 4 of chapter 14. I will heal their waywardness. I will love them freely for my anger has turned away from them. And that's the kind of invitation that comes from Jesus. Come to me those who are thirsty and drink 
Drink of my forgiving love. Drink of my healing grace. Drink of my renewing power. The story is told of a tourist who went to America to one of the parks there and he saw this fountain of water. It was very hot that day and he was looking for a button or something to press to get a drink of water. He was absolutely frustrated. He couldn't see any button anywhere. He was just about to walk away and this bystander who saw him said, Did you not see the sign at the bottom of the fountain? And the sign says at the bottom, Stoop and drink and as he stooped all the water that he needed to quench his thirst came shooting out enough to quench his thirst stoop and drink and all we can do when we get into this low and empty and desperate condition is to go back to the Lord with our feelings of brokenness and emptiness and despair and just kneel before him and drink afresh from him the hymn writer put it so well I heard the voice of Jesus say behold I freely give the living water thirsty one stoop down and drink and live I came to Jesus and I drank of that life giving stream my thirst was quenched my soul revived and now I live in him isn't that what we need today to stoop and to drink that ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives that the need to be filled again and again by his spirit because this dryness doesn't happen just once in our Christian lives only the Lord knows what is grieving his spirit and blocking the channels the, the bitter attitudes the unforgiving spirit only as these channels are, are cleared can the Holy Spirit begin to flow we need to stoop and drink today well we've thought of the causes of spiritual dryness the spiritual, the physical, the mental we've thought of the cure of spiritual dryness take words with you and it says, search him and seek his forgiveness. And we mentioned about stooping and drinking. Let's look at the consequences then of spiritual renewal. What does Jesus say in John 7:38? Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has says, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now the commentators are not quite sure which passage from the Old Testament that Jesus is quoting here. Is he quoting from Isaiah 43, 20 and 21? The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Or is Jesus thinking about Isaiah 44 and verse 3? For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Or is he quoting from Isaiah 55 and verse 1? Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. What are the consequences of real spiritual renewal? Number one is this. There's going to be a new freshness. There's going to be a freshness about our lives. Look at Hosea chapter 14 and verse 5. Know what it says there. I will be like the Jew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. 
And the Jew, you see, in Israel revived the flagging plants. Without it, vegetation would die in the Middle East. And, and God wants us to, to revive us and to refresh us. And just in case you think this is not for everybody, maybe you get too old for this. Psalm 92 says, they will bear fruit in old age. That's for me, by the way. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There's no wickedness in him. What a prospect for righteous retirement. God's refreshing includes me. And when Ephesians 5, 9, 19 says, Those who are filled by the Holy Spirit have a freshness about their praise. There's a freshness about the praise of the saints who are filled with God's Holy Spirit. Not only is there a freshness, but look again at Hosea chapter 4. Do you see the fragrance there? Look at chapter 14 and verse 6. His fragrance will be like the cedar of Lebanon. The Jew not only produces the freshness, but it releases a beautiful fragrance in the air. Most perfumes wear, evaporate uh, quickly. But in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, Paul talks about God spreading us everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And only as we are filled with the Holy Spirit will there be an overflow of the beautiful life of Jesus. There's the aroma of our Lord that should come from us. Which is far greater than any earthly perfume that can be made today. Some of you have heard of Watchman Nee. He was persecuted for his faith. I think he was in prison for 27 years in China for his faith. And Watchman Nee said this. That we Christians should be like China tea. When we get in the hot water all the goodness comes out. When people come to, to contact with us, do they pick up the beautiful aroma of the life of Christ? Duncan Campbell, involved in the revival up in the Hebrides, has written, The greatest thing about us is not what we say or what we do. It's our unconscious influence impregnated with the life of Christ. It's an unconscious influence impregnated with the life of Christ. There's a freshness there. There's a fragrance. And then finally in Hosea chapter 14, look at verses 7 and 8. Men will dwell again in the shade. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like a vine. And his fame will be like the wine from Lebanon. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I'm like a green pine tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Not only is there going to be freshness and fragrance, there's going to be a wonderful fruitfulness. And so the God who sends the dew which releases the fragrance now causes the fruit to grow. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Jim Graham says, one fruit in nine flavours. <laughs> God's heart is toward us today. He longs to bless us. He longs to fill us. He wants to flow through us. But we respond as Jacob did, Lord, I, I just won't let you go until you bless me. It took 40 years for God to hear that from Jacob. How long is it going to take before we'll say, Lord, I just won't let you go today. 
until you bless me. And God responded to Jacob and it simply says in scripture, He, God, blessed him there. Is it possible that this place here today could be that place of blessing? There's a new freshness. There's a new fragrance. There's a new fruitfulness for the praise of his wonderful glory. In my first church many years ago now, <clears throat> I was preaching on Psalm 23 about the anointing cup and the overflowing, the sorry, anointing oil and the overflowing cup. And I came to the end of the service and one of the ladies in the church, one of the young mothers came up and she says, Pastor, I'm dry. And I said, so am I. I've just preached on this wonderful passage from Psalm 23. And I'm dry. I think sometime we should get together and just seek the Lord in prayer. And so we mentioned it to the others and these young folks all gathered in the church vestry. And there was that, you know that musty smell that you get in old churches? I think it comes off the chairs. These old chairs, this musty smell, and the young folks got down on their knees, and I was shaking like a leaf, shaking like this. And I was placing my hands and I said, Lord, would you just cause them to drink, to stoop and to drink, that their thirst might be quenched by the power of your Holy Spirit. I think that mustiness changed to something of the aroma of Christ. And folks, we need to stoop and drink. Because we all get spiritually dry for various reasons. We need to say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I want to pray for you today. Because there are just so many things that dry us up and the Lord wants to bless his people let's just bow in prayer and maybe there are those here today who are really dry the ground is parched and there's all kinds of things and the word of God makes it clear in Hosea 14 I want you to take words with you I want you to come before me, says the Lord, and, and bring these words, because it may be a long time since you prayed as you should have prayed, or read the word as you should have read it, or served the Lord as you should have served him. I want you to take words. And he's given us the words. Lord, will you forgive our sins? Will you deal graciously with us? Will you touch us afresh? Take words with you. Seek my face in forgiveness. And please, will you stoop and will you drink? Just replace that pride with humbleness and come before you and drink. Let's just take a few moments for you to bring those words before the Lord. Because maybe some here are spiritually dry. Let's just pray as where we're seated and say, Lord... Forgive my sin. I need to stoop. I need to drink. Jesus.
Lord, I want to thank you that you have brought us to the place of humbling. You have brought us to that place where you can actually refresh us. If you knew who it was who asked you to give him a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. And Lord, we're actually saying to you today, come, you're saying to us, come to the waters. There is a vast supply. Come to these waters that never shall run dry. Lord, will you really deal with us today? Because there are spiritual and physical and mental things that get in the way and dry us up. And I know that only too well. Lord, will you really do something in our lives today? Will you touch us afresh? And will you cause that freshness and that fragrance and that fruitfulness to return? We thank you for your word. We thank you for this prophetic word of Isaiah. And we receive it for ourselves. To you be the praise. To you be the glory. Amen.